Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here's your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. I am super pumped to be here today with my business partner, good friend, brother from another mother, and someone I literally probably talk to more than my wife these days, president of Cutton Wealth Management and my partner, Jake Dunlap. So Jake, maybe you can give a quick hello to the audience. Hi, John. Great to be here. Excited for the conversation today. Yep. Love it. So hopefully you and I sometimes as you go off on go down rabbit holes. So we're going to try to keep both of us from doing that today. But, you know, Jake, to kind of start things off, maybe you can just share a little bit about your experience and kind of how you got into the business and and what you've been doing for, for, I think, the last 24 years or so, at least in the financial services space, actually longer, I think. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, we'll do, John. Thanks. Um, So I've been in the financial services industry going back to 95. And uh, actually, I got my start at the Mercantile Exchange in Chicago. If you've ever seen the movie Trading Places, that was what I did actually as an internship when I was in college. And really exciting time, crazy time. Saw a guy lose $8 million inside of two minutes one day and decided I didn't want to pursue that. That, that's uh, a bad my, day, huh? That's that's not a fun day. Eight million bucks in two minutes. That's not good. It was exciting, but scary at the same time. So I got into financial services. My wife, her parents actually had uh, advisors all the way back to the IDS days with American Express Financial Advisors, now Ameriprise. And so I started in the industry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as a you know solo pr- producer, starting from scratch. A couple of years into the business, I was one of the top performing advisors in terms of client acquisition and was having a lot of fun and actually was uh, invited to be a leader in the organization, start to train newer advisors. And I found that was really where a lot of my passion lied was helping other advisors build larger businesses and in essence, helping more people get what they want for themselves. And so that went well. I trained, you know, had a, had a fairly large district is what we called it at that time. And was given the opportunity to become a formal branch manager or field vice president in, in those days. And I moved from Dallas-Fort Worth to Minneapolis to running, ended up running a couple of different branches there. A great experience learning under Jody Johnson and Bill Williams and team and ended up being the number one branch manager in the system. Had you know, a lot of fun, as I stated, and was given an opportunity to actually go back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area as a complex director for the organization and was in that role for five years, was number one complex three out of five years. It was a great experience, given an opportunity to become a regional and ended up kind of running the upper Midwest for the organization on our retail side. A lot of learnings, experiences, great success and Grew the, grew the region and a couple of years ago started to just wonder what was next. And, you know, you and I were introduced uh, by a, a, a common friend. I decided to, you know, join in with you about a year ago, actually. And it's been a wild ride, fun ride, but now I'm here and building a business with you, which has been, uh, been a ton of fun. It sure has been a ton of fun, you know, Jake. And that common person, uh, as you and I know, was actually a guest uh, on the podcast not too long ago. I think a repeat guest, which was Ray Kelly, for sure. And I'm, you know, grateful that Ray got us connected. And to the audience, 
Jake is pretty modest. Jake is known as one of the best leaders within Fortune 250 organizations. So what I'd like to kind of dial in on a little bit, Jake, is as you mentioned, you joined our team about a year ago or so. And what's interesting is you, know, you and I have a lot of kind of mutual friends and uh, knew each other right through from our days of being with the same firm for a long time, but didn't really know each other, right? We knew of each other, I should say. And as I kind of think about the way you've been able to impact my organization, now our organization, it's really been a focus on client experience. It's been a focus on advisor development. And as we think about how we've grown the business, yes, we grow the business through our CPA partnerships, which is a big part of what we do. We've grown our business through inorganic growth strategies, practice acquisitions and uh, mergers and recruiting uh, external and internal advisors. But really the biggest difference in our business, I think over the last year has been the impact you've been able to have on the client experience and getting our advisors to think a little bit differently about organic growth. So what I thought would be a really good idea for today's podcast is to really have you talk a little bit about kind of how you've been able to help us do that. Some of those systems, some of those processes, and really for the advisors listening, how you can focus yourself on your own business, on organically growing and client experience, or if you're leading an advisor or two or 10 in your practice, how you can help those advisors do it as well. Yeah, John, thanks. There's a lot in there. And that's what most advisors and businesses practices spend most of their time trying to figure out. So what I would offer today is some hard-won lessons uh, that I've had and been taught by a lot of really great leaders and partners in the past. But I'd break it down into three main tenets. <clears throat> the first tenet is retention. The best way to grow is don't shrink. And the second tenet would be deepening with the existing clients that you have and gaining more wallet share, more confidence, more faith when the advice and the relationship that you provide. And then the third is growing through word of mouth. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. But it's my belief that on the retention side is you have to begin with the end in mind, right? So Covey, if you will. And when you think about the end in mind, it's really establishing a goal-based relationship as opposed to a product or a return or asset management relationship. So on the goal-based side, one of the, the things that I've had a lot of training and success and mentorship in the past in, in my career has been around financial planning and those goals. And so it's something I believe in and uh, a key tenet of our joint organization together is uh, to establish a goal-based relationship, meaning let's in our very first uh, interaction with a client, whether they've come in through a referral, we you know, source them through some cold vehicle or it's through an acquisition, is to really understand what's important about money to the client and get into a robust back and forth conversation and ask a lot of clarifying and deepening questions there so that we can get to the heart of the matter. In my experience, it's usually one of three things. It's either security, freedom, or prestige. And most people won't tell you prestige, but there's usually a little bit of that in there. 
So trying to establish is that, is it security or freedom or a little bit of both, and then start to solve against that. Yeah, super well said, Jake. And you, know, you use the term retention, right? Deepening and word of mouth, or I think of that as introductions or referrals, I guess. So let's go a little deeper, right, on the retention piece. So I know um, I, I know one of the things that you had a lot of influence in at, at the broker-dealer level even was really going deep on helping design kind of what client experience should look like, right, at a firm level. And you've been able to bring that into our practice here. So not all financial advisors are built the same way, right? And I know we meet lots of advisors, many focus on their asset management techniques, right? Or that's their differentiator. And I know our differentiator is advice, right? It's that goal-based advice. So maybe you can talk a little bit about kind of the, the planning process. I know we talk sometimes about the seasons of advice and things along those lines, but could you walk the audience through how we deliver advice and kind of some of your experience there? Sure. So advice is, again, the discovery process of trying to understand what's important to the client and what does money even mean to them in their life, and then starting to build solutions to provide that to them. And there's a series of making and keeping meaningful promises with a client that I think we're good and we aspire to be great at. And as we go through that process, what that looks like is, again, the initial discovery process where let's decide if we want to work together. The next is to establish and bring together all of that data, the relevant data, what their existing holdings are. And then once we almost like when you're flying a plane, understand point A to point B, knowing you'll have wind and the, you know path corrections along the way so that we establish the ongoing relationship with the client. And what we do in doing that is make sure at all times we've got the next appointment booked with the client at all times and that we've established the right rhythm with the client, meaning we have seasons of advice where we'll see the client face-to-face or screen-to-screen four times or more often to make sure that we are, one, staying relevant with the client, two, staying connected in terms of their goals and needs or changes in life, but we're also uh, staying relevant, meaning we're educating the client, providing new and different information to keep them intrigued and moving forward. And I think that is a unique value piece that we offer to clients and that we've established in cut wealth management. Yeah. Well said, Jake. And we've talked, I think on past episodes, that seasons of advice is Charlie Hamaway and Chris Canigliaro. Shout out to you guys and went through their program years ago. And it is, uh, it's a differentiator. It really is where each quarter there's this different thematic advice that we're giving, right? And Jake, can you just go through what it is in each of those quarters that the way you know, we deliver it and many deliver it? Yeah, the way we have it established is the first quarter is, again, a a reassertion of and reconfirmation of the goals, right? So it's a goal-based meeting in quarter one. A second quarter is asset management focused. And of course, we deal with asset management and rebalancing and, and all of those types of things every time we meet with a client, but it's more of the macro conversation of do we have the right risk tolerances and long-term paths and plans in place. The third quarter is usually around protection planning, meaning if we if things don't go right, do we have the right plans and processes and contingencies in place? 
And then in the fourth quarter, it's around tax planning, not only reactive tax planning like tax loss harvesting and those types of things, but looking at and thinking about our long-term tax withdrawal and efficacy plans along the way. Yeah, no, well said. And you you made a couple of comments and I hear you talk about these things a lot. So not new to me, but certainly new to the audience. You talked about uh, making and keeping meaningful promises. And then you also talked about part of a process being to set the next meeting in the meeting that you're in with the client. So the client always leaves with their next appointment set. Now, I know uh, both of those things sound simple, right? But usually when things are really simple, when you think about them a little, you realize that those are the things that will really impact relationship, right? retention, and kind of that deepening perspective. So maybe you can just talk to that a little, and then let's go the order you said. I mean, I think we've talked a little bit about deepening there, but maybe you can talk a little bit about what you're thinking and what you mean by those things. Yeah, so the, the making keep meaningful promises, as we all know as advisors, every time you're with a client, there's things to do. And as, as much as we would like to think it, sometimes we don't execute as well as we could on all the things we sign up for or following up with the client on the things they solve for or promise uh, to do as well. Because people hire us because they don't have the time, energy, knowledge to be able to execute. So for us to think they will be able to do everything they committed to do in a meeting is you know, probably not being a good leader and a good advisor for them. So having a, a process in place where we follow up with the client the next day to confirm that we understood wholly what they wanted us to do in that meeting and that we are indeed doing those things to then reconfirm with them that they know what they need to do in terms of sending us information, making changes, whatever it might be, and then having a gentle reminder process along the way to make sure that we are both on track uh, to, to follow through that from a make promises standpoint. I think that's a, a very tactical way to do it. It's more involved than that, but I think that is a good, you know, kind of microcosm of what that looks like. Yeah, well said. Uh, makes a ton of sense. And as you're as you're talking here to just help connect some of the dots, I think as you talk about planning and goal based advice being kind of the I'm going to call it the stake, right, in the relationship building, the main dish, right, so to speak. Talk about how you've experienced going through goal-based advice, planning, the seasons of advice, it's had a big impact. The more we've done it in our business, I found it's helped the advisors grow deeper, more meaningful relationships, win more business with their existing uh, and new clients. But can you just talk through that a little bit? Yeah. So one of the things we talked about too is setting the next appointment. And when you uh, consider deepening with an existing client, the setting of the next appointment is critical is a critical piece uh, because one, the client knows when they're going to get you again. And so that enables you as an advisor to rest at ease knowing I'm not going to forget anybody inadvertently or accidentally. The client knows that they can hold 
a lot of their questions or needs between now and the next appointment. And if something urgent does come up, well, then you actually have more time as an advisor to handle that in between the meetings because you're not dealing with a lot of inadvertent little things that are maybe less meaningful because the clients do know they're going to have you to handle that. And so from a deepening standpoint in, in our business, last year, we had a uh, wealth management had a, a very good year. We ended up at about 90 million in positive flows, which was one of the record years for the organization. And as we have progressed organically, we're tracking about 380 million, 370 million in net flow, organic net flows this year, not through acquisitions or any other method. And I think a big reason that we've seen that big jump in results is an institution of just really good habits and even Salesforce and CRM tools to help us be able to follow through and make those promises. And and again, deepen with the client along the way. Love it. Yeah. So it's been good for sure. Uh, organic growth is key, right? It doesn't cost you anything, by the way, to organically grow your business. So I'm going to get a little, little granular, right? So not every advisor, Jake, has this kind of financial planning process within their organization. They don't all have kind of a system and a process, right? I know our process is actually 64 steps, which is kind of sounds overwhelming. We know a lot of those steps are small little steps, but those little steps really make that difference in the client experience. So if I'm an advisor, like many who has a good process, their clients are happy, they're meeting needs, let's say, but they're not exceeding expectations. They're not giving that Ritz Carlton or that that above and beyond client experience, but they want to because they know a they want to do a better job and as good of a job as possible for clients, but they also want that experience and that level of service to be the mechanism that fuels their growth. What do you do, right? So I don't if I don't have all those things in my practice, where do you start? And that's the hard part, right, is kind of defining reality and figuring out how to layer on some of those things. Can you talk through kind of your experience? Because I know when you came into our organization, I think we did a really good job. I think we served our clients well. But I think now, all of a sudden, with your leadership, those extra pieces that kind of process has actually driven a much better experience, higher satisfaction, and then more, and then, you know, to your point a minute ago, a lot of new money coming into the firm, which has been super, you know, exciting to see. Yeah. Thanks, John. A, a term that you use that I have adopted and love is delight the client. So how do you delight the client? Well, one way is to ask them, through something like a client advisory board, a feedback mechanism of your best clients, what would delight you that you are getting today that you want to keep getting, things you don't want to get anymore, and things you would like to get more of or initiate, and then leveraging systems. So the mind is good for thinking. Paper or a computer notes, one note is good for remembering. And so as you think through and you gather the strategies from clients or your best advisors inside the organization, your best experiences, you know, 
get those down on paper and then turn the idea into a process or a mechanism that you can do and you can replicate over time. And so that 64 step process that we have inside the organization is really the, the kind of the outcome of that feedback and recognition and investigation and all those things. So the more you can automate, not Salesforce or technology or what have you, but the more you can automate your actions as an advisor so that you just leave very little to chance, the more you free your mind up and your time up to delight the client, to think creatively, to think strategically. And so having a process, whatever that is, having it written down and having feedback given to you with an open mind that you're not perfect and I'm not either, to be able to make changes and adapt to clients' needs, I think is, uh, is critically important. But discipline in the end to execute against it is the key. Love it. So super well said, pearls of wisdom in there, especially again, simple things that seem so simple, like writing it down and having a process. So, so few advisors um, actually do that. I know one of the things that you talk a lot about is leading indicators, right? And that's something you brought to the firm as well. Can you kind of explain your thought process on leading indicators, particularly as it relates to client you know, experience and client service? Yeah. Again, I've been blessed with a lot of leaders and peers and teachers and guides along the way. And something that I glommed on to a long time ago is, is something called the bucket theory. And the bucket theories, bucket one are things that you can control. Bucket two are things you can influence and bucket three are neither. And from a key performance indicator or metrics that you would pay attention to, I have found it helpful to spend a little bit of time on things you can influence, spend no time on things that you can't control or influence, and spend as much time as possible in bucket one, which are those things you do control. So from a key performance indicator, when you're running in a, let's say, an established business where you already have a decent amount of clientele to, to work off of, you're not building just all from scratch. One of the leading indicators that you can control is how many of your clients are booked for their next appointment. And so when we look at our key performance indicators in our business, the number one thing we look at is how many appointments did we see last week against your total client base and how many of those clients are booked for their next appointment. And if they're a client that is not engaged or won't engage, well, we need to probably find some alternatives for that client so that we can engage them in a different way, maybe on their own you know, volition, right? And how they want to, to be engaged, but to get them out of that active client base. So hopefully that, that helps address that KPI question, but each individual practice will have a little different ones, but I think the interaction with the client should probably be one of, if not the leading indicator in the business. So Jake, you think it's important to have the next meeting set, do you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. I can share with the audience. I say that you know, laughing with a smile on my face. You know, Jake brought that to our firm a year ago and was like, no, 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 you don't understand. And I probably didn't understand, right? The, the psychology of that, I just want everyone to connect on that. It's so simple, but when someone leaves your office and they have you know, a client and they have their next meeting set 
And in some cases, I've heard of practices who have the next year set, right? We're working on acquiring a business and they, they we talked about how we have the next meeting set. And you know, the advisor referenced that in their practice, they have a year's worth of meetings set. Think about the peace of mind that gives to the client to know that in 90 days or 180 days, depending on the service model, I already have my meeting set with my financial advisor. And Jake referenced it earlier, that ultimately creates a sense of you know comfort being taken care of and it also believe it or not limits the number of calls you get from clients because clients aren't wondering is john or jake or whoever the advisor is actually on top of my stuff and my when will i see he or she again or i've got some some questions on my mind they know hey and four weeks or six weeks i'm coming in anyway so i'll write them down and make the best use of my time together with my financial advisor so i think that's great and i know jake you talk a lot about leading indicators within our business at least around the proactivity of summary letters and we call them morning after calls and of course setting the next appointment and and things along those lines so what we've always found is five to seven things right that you can just consistently do well so that the client begins to realize that that i don't have to worry about it i'm gonna i'm gonna come in for my meeting we're gonna have a productive meeting we're gonna talk about one of these four things depending on what quarter it is I'll get a summary letter sharing what happened, my to-dos, the advisor's to-do. They're going to check in, and I already know I'm coming back in in 90 days. Just doing that, right? Just doing that is unbelievably effective. And I know, Jake, you've got a rule about returning emails or phone calls and things along those lines. Can you just talk a little bit about that uh, process? Yeah. So 24 hours at a minimum, same day if possible. And when again differentiating yourself e- expressing the availability that you have for your clientele now what that can do is it can limit the total amount of families that you can work with and that is something we've spent a lot of time in our business working on is trying to make sure that we don't get into a spot where we overpromise and underdeliver because we have too many people to work with and we've brought on a lot of advisors. We're training a lot of advisors to be able to deal with the flow that we're driving into the organization, whether it be through CPAs, the referral business, acquisitions, what have you. But the speed and veracity right, of that conversation and follow-up with a client is, is very important. And if you don't mind, I'll just jump into offense. When you think about the, the referral a referable experience where the client doesn't have to worry about anything. The client is delighted. The client is set for their next appointment. That is a way that we go to market and we ask questions of prospects. Do you, does your advisor have their next appointment set? Not only is it set, but do you know what you're going to talk about? Not only that, but When was the last time they called you just because they had an idea or they needed something as opposed to, I'm at your disposal and I'm your advisor and I'm here to help you not call you when I feel like it because I've got something I want. And I think that is a really great way to go to market and say, I I would like the opportunity to work with your coworkers, your boss, your neighbor, right, Uh, your family member. Uh, to provide that same level of experience, because in my experience, it's not that common, unfortunately. 
Yeah, love it, Jake. And I know you've you've been helping lead the and I know by the way, back in the day, you were kind of known as a leader for driving referral-based cultures, right? Within hundreds of advisors that you would lead and your team of leaders would lead. We've also had Bill Cates on the program here. I know you've gotten to know Bill pretty well. And uh, we use a piece of his program in referrals. And as Bill would like to say, he'd yell at me, it's introductions, this is world, not referrals. I still call them referrals. So sorry, Bill. But <laughs> you know, Jake, maybe you can talk a little bit about kind of that process. I know we, we follow Bill's, what he calls his VIPs model, and we've kind of taught our advisors a little bit about storytelling. Can you, I know we don't have a ton of time left here, but maybe you can just talk a little bit about how you've been able to help our advisors begin to build really referral-based practice. And I'll share with the audience, I, I should, I won't say I'm embarrassed to say this, but I will say since Jake joined my organization uh, and partnered with us about a year ago, our average client acquired via client referral per advisor within our business has actually quadrupled from an average of three a year to an average of 12 per year. And I think it's a combination, in my opinion, of the improvement in the client experience, as well as the consistency and delivery of the ask. And Jake, maybe you can just talk a little bit about how you've been able to kind of drive that through the organization and some of the kind of key you know, pieces to it. Thanks, John. And it, it's been great. It's been a blast. And it's not just been me. It's been you. It's been our leaders. The advisors are ready and willing. And if you consider why more advisors don't have more referral-based business and grow their businesses, one of the main reasons in my personal experience is, is the advisor feels uncomfortable asking for a referral because they either one, don't want to make the client uncomfortable or two, they don't feel like they've earned the referral. And I, I think when you have a set process, you can rest your head on the pillow at night knowing the client's set for the next meeting. I followed up. There are no un, unsaid things, undone tasks the advisor has a lot more confidence to be more assertive or aggressive in that referral environment. And you, frankly, you just get more feedback from the client. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the call. All of which are referable moments. Anytime you hear a thank you, I appreciate it. You're unique. You're different. It's an opportunity to say thank you. And I am open for business and would love to help more people like you. And so when you think about the, the advisor feeling more confident, I also think over time, they feel more obligated because they know what they do helps people sleep better at night. They know what they do helps people have successful retirements and send their children to school and, and, and so on and so on. And the more obligated and confident you feel to grow your business, I think the more effective people become at referrals. Uh, it's not about, hey, I'm, I'm in this to make more money or grow my business because I want to. It's I'm giving something out there. And yeah, there are some benefits for doing that, but I want to give this knowledge. I want to give this advice. I want to give this relationship to help more people get more of what they want for themselves. So I, I can go on and on about that, the psychology, the process, the follow-up. I think in the industry, we trick it up way too much. And I think all you need to do is make and keep meaningful promises, feel good about it, 
and ask. So we've done pretty well with that. So what do you think, Jake? Should advisors work hard and be nice? <laughs> uh, that's, that's my motto. It doesn't cost anything to be nice. Yes, I had to throw that in there and have a little fun. That's Jake's favorite thing to say, right? It doesn't cost anything to be nice. And he likes to say, just work hard and be nice. So two, uh, two things that uh, make me smile every time he says it. And, then, and he says it a lot, by the way. But with, with that being said, it's funny, as you were talking and as I just kind of think about the theme of your presentation, maybe the, the name of this podcast should be the best offense is great defense, right? Or the, you know, this particular episode, you know, what I'm hearing you say, Jake, is super, resonates with me in a, in a big way, which is if you can feel really good about the experience you're giving the client and you're giving them your very best and you've got a process built that you're delivering on what you said you're as you, your words making and keeping meaningful promises it becomes way more comfortable for the client right because they're thrilled with the experience and for you as the advisor to look someone dead in the eyeballs and just say have you found what i'm doing for you to be helpful and valuable and the answer is going to be yes you are amazing jake or john or Mary or Susie or whoever it may be. And then to that's where you deliver that VIPS model, right? I have an important question to ask you. I'd like your permission to talk about some people in your life that might be important for you. In fact, can I suggest, Jake, you always talk really, really fondly about your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law or your uncle or whoever it may be. Tell me a little bit about he or she and um, et cetera. So I want to really hit this point because I've heard Jake talk about it a lot and I'm a, a really big believer in it. When you deliver on the things you say you're going to do, and then you truly believe in your own value, it becomes your duty to ask your clients who you care about to help their friends and family. And if you think of it that, like Jake said earlier, I just want to highlight your words. If you think of it like they're doing you a favor, because if they give you a referral, you build your AUM and therefore your, your revenue, et cetera, et cetera, then it's uncomfortable to do. But if you think of it knowing that you're going to deliver and that your goal is to help as many people as possible, why not help the people that are important to the clients who've entrusted you to be their financial advisor. So I'm just wondering, Jake, I know you're aligned with that, but any thoughts that you'd like to kind of share as it relates to, to that thought? Yeah, I um, am a big fan of Think to Perform, Doug Lennick, Ray Kelly, we've talked about them. And there's a, a term that Doug coined a long time ago, and that is to have the heart of a social worker and the mind of a capitalist. And for me, I say the mind of an economist, right? Because that was my education. But the mind of an, an economist, a capitalist, what have you, is the is the executor, right? The I, tracking the KPIs, making sure the process is in place, being exacting on your business and, and execution. The heart of a social worker to me is that feeling of obligation. I know some things that will help people have a better life. And I would like to get those things out in my community, environment, industry, et cetera. And I care enough to make myself uncomfortable because I may not feel comfortable asking you for a referral because I might get rejected, but I care enough to make myself uncomfortable, potentially you too as the client, 
in, a, in order to go help somebody on the other side of the wall. And I feel that for anybody who's built a large referral business, ultimately that's where they'll end because you don't want, once you have enough success in the business, you don't have to have more referrals. You don't have to have more AUM, but you want to help more people, right? And give that away, if you will. So, yeah. Amazing info, Jake. I would share with the audience that last segment there. I listened to it a couple of times because it's a mindset thing, right? If you don't, if you don't believe you deserve them, you probably won't get introductions. If you do believe it, uh, you will. And if you b- build and design the right experience that you believe is right for your client, ours has 64 steps. Your might, yours might have 182 steps or it might have 12 steps. So it doesn't matter what the process is. It's a process that you and your clients believe is valuable. Once you're to use and steal Jake's words, are able to make and keep those meaningful promises, it will build your confidence so that you actually believe you deserve them and you wouldn't be doing the right thing to ultimately ask. So with that, Jake, I know uh, you and I both have a hard stop in a, in a couple of minutes here to get on to uh, another meeting together. So thank you, my buddy and friend and business partner for joining today. Any last thoughts or anything that you have that you wanted to share with the audience? I know you're funny, maybe a little riddle or a joke, or maybe <laughs> you want to sing a little karaoke. What do, what do you want to do to wow us? John, thanks for the opportunity. We've had a blast the last year. No telling what we're going to do, you know, here over the the years to come. What I just close with is, is we have a great profession where when we go to work and we work hard and we execute and we deliver, a lot of people end up having better lives financially, which then will equate to better lives overall, hopefully. And it's worthy of our best efforts. So the the work hard and be nice, the work hard's not that difficult when you have a lot of energy and passion and commitment around it. And the be nice is just a choice every day. Again, we're blessed to be in a great industry to help people for a living and probably helps to go to work with a little bit of skip in your step, so to speak. So that's it for me. Skipping to work. It's like winning the lottery ticket. So, hey, Jake, genuinely, thanks for uh, being on today. Awesome job is, oh, if you can't tell, Jake is one of the best humans that I know. So thanks for all that you do. Thanks for being on. You will be a repeat guest if that's okay. We'll have you on again soon and talk about some other fun topics. So with that being said, thanks everyone for joining today. Jake, just if anyone wanted to get in touch touch with you, email, LinkedIn, what's the best place to, to reach out to you if they wanted to pick your brain? Yeah, LinkedIn's great. Uh, it's Jake Dunlap on LinkedIn and just emails jacob.d as in daniel.dunlap at ampf.com. You got it. All right. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as I always close, if you or anyone you know could be a good guest on the show, please send us an email, reach out via our website. And thank you again for listening to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.